to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Yes, Robert Gerrish here, founder of Flying Solo, co-author of the bestseller of the same name, and author of The One Minute Commute, my latest book published by Pan Macmillan and available in all good bookshops online and as an audiobook courtesy of audible.com. Yikes, six hours of me droning on. Anyway, that's enough about The One Minute Commute. Now, before I introduce our guest, let me tell you about Flying Solo's premium membership. There's a mass of tools and benefits to help your business stand out and to ensure you stay at the top of your game. As part of membership, you get a full-page listing in the directory, entry to a private discussion group, access to a library of over 80 how-to videos, a copy of the Flying Solo book, and much, much more, all for just $99. Head to the join page to find out more. Now, today I'm really happy to be speaking with Alan Dibb, who's an entrepreneur, tech expert and author who's grown a number of businesses and indeed has made it onto the BRW Fast 100 list. That's pretty impressive. And he joins me today from Melbourne. Hello, Alan. Hey, Robert. Pleasure to be on the show. Good. Thank you very much. So look, uh, I've had a good old read of your, your well, it's a newish book, uh, The One Page Marketing Plan. Um, I know you've, you've published it, um, I think a few months ago, but it's doing extraordinarily well. And Having had a good read, I think I can. I think I can understand why. So, congratulations on that to start with. Oh, thank you so much, Robert. <laughs> now, it's interesting when you when you you know when I see a book that's called a one page marketing plan, the lazy person in me thinks, oh, <laughs> great, this is going to be a breeze. You know, there's I'm going to find out how just to do one page and absolutely nail my marketing. But it's not quite that easy, is it? There's, we you you make us do a bit of work. Yeah, look, of course. So the, the headline is the one page marketing plan. And, you know, they, they say um, necess- necessity is the mother invention, but I think uh, laziness is probably the mother <laughs> in, of invention. And I'm sure the inventor of the remote control would uh, agree with me. <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, that's right. <laughs> yeah, well, look, so, I, I, I love the way that you, you, you know, you, it's a very thorough manual on marketing. So I think, you know, and you and I both know that, uh, that, the biggest hot button for so many people in small business is really getting marketing right. And so many people think there's such an art to marketing. But I think as your book kind of spells it out, as you say, you pull information and facts and learnings from a variety of sources. You know, it's it's pretty straightforward stuff, but we just have to do it, don't we? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, I mean, I always used to think that you needed to be incredibly creative to be good at marketing and you needed to be kind of one of those weird hipsters or something with a beard and all of that sort of stuff and kind of come up with crazy concepts. But what I found is, and because I'm a tech geek, I'm from a tech background, um, I found that that really wasn't the case. The creative part of marketing is actually a very, very small part. It's actually uh, a method that if someone follows the process, that they can achieve achieve the results that they're they're desiring from that. So, um, and that was really good news to me because if there was one thing I could do it was follow a, a simple process. And so, um, 
that really turned things around for me. I went from struggling and a broke, dead, dead broke IT geek to doing very, very well and growing the business nationally. That's fantastic. So are you saying then that when you you started your IT business, marketing by the sounds of it was not a natural thing for you? Not in the slightest. I mean, I, I distinctly remember having a conversation with my business partner. We were we were talking about the, the business and, you know, we were we were struggling in those early sort of lean days. And, you know, we looked at each other and, and I said, I said to him, you know what, this is a great business. We've got great margins. Our customers love what we do. You know, so we've got almost everything right. All we've got to do is crack this tiny little thing called sales and marketing and we're going to, we're going to do really well. And so little did I know that uh, that little thing of sales and marketing was actually the big thing and the, the product was actually the, the small thing. So sometimes confusing mm. major and minor uh, is a big, big mistake. Yeah, look, that's a great way of looking at it, isn't it? Is that, you know, and again, we probably both come across so many businesses with a, with a wonderful idea or a wonderful product but uh, if you've not got the marketing right, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. And then alternatively, we'll see something that is, you know, somewhat mediocre, all sorts of products that really aren't that good, but that are marketed really well. I mean, that must have frustrated the hell out of you when you were doing your IT business. It absolutely did because I remember one of my, uh, I guess you could call them a frenemy. It was a, it was a friend, but also ran, I guess, a similar business, but was a competing business. But technically we ran rings around them. You know, in fact, they used to hire us to train them on some of the newer technologies and things like that. But business wise, he was miles ahead. You know, I'd meet him at conferences and things like that. And he'd, he'd tell me how much growth that they had. And, and it was real. I did see it. And, uh, and you know, I, I thought, am I stupid here? You know, there's just nothing more frustrating than someone who knows less than you technically is doing far, far better than you financially. So yeah. uh, it really is the thing that moves the needle. Yeah. So when you, you know, when someone asks you today what it is that you do or what your main skill is, have you shifted? I mean, where, who are you now? Are you, are you still primarily a tech geek who's good at marketing or are you a marketing guy who happens to be skilled in tech? Yeah, this is, this is an absolute mindset shift and one that I think uh, audiences should really internalize. You know, I, I was speaking to a mentor in my early days telling him, you know, my troubles about, you know, how good I was and if only more people knew knew about me. And, and he asked me a question that to this day uh, I remember. He said, when do people know how good your product or service is? And I said, well, obviously when they've used us. And he goes, so after they buy so before they buy, they only know how good your marketing is. So, mm. and that was like a lightning bolt moment to me. And I thought, yep. So he said, you've got to become a, a marketing person who sells technology rather than a technology person who does marketing. And that's a very, very big mindset shift because we find that the best marketer wins every time. And that, you know, we see that so often, uh, you know, it's not the best product that wins. It's the best known product that often wins. So yeah, that's so uh, true. Mindset shift. Yeah, that's so true. And that's such a, uh, you know, I can see why that phrase from your mentor would stick with you um, because it's so clear. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, but when you, um, when you meet a business person, uh, as I'm sure you do, and bear in mind, you know, our audience, primarily solo business people, people running, you know, very small, but very pleasurable, small businesses. Mm-hmm. And 
a, a request that I'll often get is, oh, can you help me find someone I can outsource my marketing to? You know, how, just before we sort of get into your book, how practical do you think that is for a very small business to actually give this all to somebody else versus right. developing the skills as you have done yourself? Yep. I get asked this question all the time too. And it's funny, you know, a lot of people say, you know, I just want to do the stuff and I don't want to do the actual marketing. And to that, I'd say, well, then you're probably in the business of being either just a freelancer or you're probably actually better off just working for someone else and let them take care of everything and you do you do what you want. But um, here, here's what I tell people is the strategy belongs with you as a business owner. So understanding the plan, understanding what, what you need to do, uh, the kind of marketing that you need to do and all of that sort of stuff. So putting together the plan, the strategy, the blueprint. So think of, if you think of building a house, which in fact I'm, I'm doing right now, right. Um, uh, I sat down with the architect. We, we worked out the blueprint. We, the bedroom was going to go here. The garage was going to go there and all of this sort of stuff. So, uh, But the building of the house, I'm not involved with that, right? So the tactical stuff, the laying of the bricks, the putting on the roof and all of that sort of thing. So the tactical stuff can be absolutely outsourced, but the strategy yeah. belongs with you as the business owner. So yeah, okay. that's the that's the separation. So you really do need to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it and what the end game is. But the the grunt work, so the outreach, the SEO, the pay per click, all of that stuff, uh, you probably should outsource that because you'll never get to anything else if you do all that yourself. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a very good point. I think that's very clear. Then keep the strategy with you, but. Uh, as you say, kind of outsource some of the tasks by all means. Okay, look, let's get into your book. There's one thing, there's a comment on the on the back cover of your book, which I particularly like, that uh, one of the, the reasons you wrote the book was to help people, uh, as you say, stop doing random acts of marketing and instead start following, uh, you know, a plan for rapid growth. And yep. these random acts of marketing, gosh, do we see them all day, every day, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. People just follow the sh bright, shiny object. And, you know, this this was indeed one of the reasons I wrote the book because, uh, you know, I, I had a coaching practice and I would coach businesses and they'd say, oh, I'm doing a bit of website. I'm, I'm going to try a bit of SEO and then we'll see what we can do on social or Instagram. And I'm like, hang on, hang on, hang on. Where is all this stuff fitting into a plan, into mm. a strategy? Like, what is the end game? You know, it's not just doing random stuff and it's so easy to just follow the bright shiny object because you know the you, you know someone does a product launch and they're telling you seo is the thing to do and someone else is telling you no no forget about that let's do pr and another person is saying let's do some social stuff and mm. you know it's just confusing uh, you know it's very confusing. And so, you know, you, you need a plan. You know, anywhere where you see people uh, have got dealing with something that's high stakes, uh, there's a plan there. So, you know, a professional pilot, he follows a flight plan. The military follow a military operations plan. A doctor follows a, a medical treatment plan. And you'd be kind of freaked out if you walked onto a plane and you overheard the pilot speaking and one of the pilots said, you know what, don't worry about the plan. We know how to get there. Yeah, we'll you know? work it out as we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, look, and just a reminder, my guest is Alan Dibb. He's the author of The One Page Marketing Plan. And it really is a thorough way to uh, pull your marketing apart, to develop a strategy, and ultimately to end up with a one-page plan. So look, let's just have a look at the, your, in your plan, you basically end up with kind of nine key uh, components uh, split into three sort of stages of the business relationship. Is it, can I ask you to 
talk us through those fairly briskly, just to give us an overview. Is that feasible? Of course. So, uh, as you mentioned, there's three major phases. And if if people listening visualize a, a sheet of paper and it's, uh, it's split into nine squares, so there's three lots of three. Mm-hmm. So, the first one is the before phase, and that's where the first section is selecting your target market. So very important uh, selecting your your niche or who you're going to target. Yep. Uh, the, the second one, we move on to what message we're going to give that target market. So how are we going to get into their minds? How are we going to get into uh, an emotional message that they respond to? The third is how do we reach them? So what me- reaching prospects with advertising media. So um, are we going to reach them through social media? Are we going to reach them through direct mail? Are we going to reach them through email? All of that sort of stuff. So the actual physical media that we we reach them with. Okay. I'm just going to pause you there for a sec. So just to recap, then this is a a sheet of paper broken into nine squares. We've looked at the top sort of three, which in Alan's book, um, he calls the before stage. So this is the prospect stage. So as Alan said, the three things we need there are who are we targeting? Who's our target market? What's the message we're going to give them? And what media are we going to use to get there? So this is, you know, again, there's work uh, that we need to do before we fill those sections in. But once we do, it's totally practical to summarize those as uh, as the, the top third of our one page. Okay, where to next? Next is the during phase. And so the during phase is when someone's kind of put their hand up and said, you know what, I'm slightly interested in what, what you've got. So that you, they've gone from not knowing that you exist to um, – basically saying look oh, it's, uh, i seem I'll to be interested yeah. i'll give you a go yeah so and so the the first section of that is capturing leads so a lot of people just miss out on that they send traffic to, to their website and you know most of the traffic either bounces or uh, forget about you or whatever so we want to capture those leads um, then we want to move to nurturing those leads so how do we uh, give them a lot of value in advance then uh, the last phase of that, the last section of that during phase is sales conversion. That's when someone goes from um, just knowing about you to spending their first dollar with you and becoming a, a client. So that basically rounds out the during phase of the. Yeah, and I thought there was a great point you mentioned there about, you know, how so often a business will put a lot of effort and often a lot of time and money into getting people to a website, and then when they get there, it's like okay what am I doing here? What am I supposed to do next? You know, exactly. gosh, we talk about this, all of us, a great deal, but it's still time and time again, it happens. You know, but so that's, again, within the book, um, Alan talks in some depth about how we can actually use those stages. So that so we've looked at the before stage, we've looked at the during stage. Where to next? The, the ne- next one is the after phase, and this is the, the most neglected. This is where the money is really made. And so many people finish when they've made their, their sale and then move on to the next client. But uh, the after phase is really where your lifetime customer value comes in. And uh, the first part of the after phase is delivering a world-class experience. So we want to really wow our customers and give them a fantastic experience, turn them into raving fans. Then we want to work on in the next section is increasing the lifetime value of your customers. So really um, taking them from just maybe having bought one thing to either increasing frequency or increasing amount or um, other strategies to increase their lifetime value. 
And then the very last section is orchestrating and stimulating referrals. A lot of people just hope and pray for referrals, mm. uh, but there are strategies for really orchestrating and stimulating and doing it in a way that doesn't feel needy or pushy. Yeah, and again, you know, so often what happens, I think, with, in small businesses is we we don't understand enough about referrals. And again, this is a theme that, that um, well, I bang on about far too much probably. But, uh, you know, we ask for referrals at the wrong stage. You know, you've talked about the three stages of the relationship, but still you meet people who you've, you've barely got to know and they've barely got to know you who are sort of hitting you up for referrals. Crazy behavior, crazy behavior. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. Look, there's a, okay, there's a, there's a particular um, phrase that you use there that I'd love to just dive in a little bit deeper, which is this increasing customer lifetime value. Now, as you said at your sort of little intro to this section, often what we do in business is we, we're always kind of getting the new customer. Once they're in, we tend not to sometimes think about them anywhere near as as much as we should so in a in a sort of a snapshot summary what are some of your thoughts around increasing this lifetime value how do we do that yeah so uh, it really comes down to the to a mindset thing again and i don't know a lot lot of people may have heard the old story about the acres of diamonds so and uh, and anyway to summarize the Mm. acres of diamonds it's basically a guy went searching all over the world for, for diamonds. You know, he was so hung up on that. And in fact, um, he sold his farm and then found out that the guy who sold his farm to mined his own backyard and found a massive treasure trove of diamonds. And I think that's the very similar to our customer base because a lot of the time we think that the deal is done when, when we, we've done the transaction. But in fact, there's so much more to be had from existing clients and it's not just about you and it's not just about you know just extracting the most you possibly can from a client it's about uh, creating value you you have a duty to give your clients great great value on an ongoing basis and keep increasing that value and um, value goes both ways so when you give value to a client there's an exchange of value so um, very very important and uh, there's there's quite a few ways to to go through increasing the lifetime value of a client and i'm happy to cover a few of those with you robert if yeah you let's just have a look at it let's just, just take a couple and as i say i know there's a there's a number in your book but um yeah let's have a couple all right so uh, a few uh, uh so one of them is as simple as raising your prices and a lot of people get very freaked out about raising mm-hmm. prices so um and if you if you think about it this way, uh, I like to think about cash as ice, you know, and ice melts over time. So if, if you think about the rate of inflation, which is, I don't know, in Australia, I think it's about two or three, maybe 4% sometimes depending. Yep. So every year your $100 is worth $4 less, right? Mm, so, okay. so, <laughs> so if you're not raising your prices, at least in line with the rate of inflation, then you're essentially going backwards. Hmm. So, you're just cheapening um, your your product or your service a little bit every year. Exactly, exactly. Hmm. So, but more importantly than the rate of inflation and things like that is, are you is your product getting more valuable over time? So, if you offer something, are you refining it? And, you, and you'll notice, you know, even companies as big as Apple or whatever, if you have a look at the price of the iPhone, I mean, it's now eye-wateringly expensive. Hmm. I mean, I think it was like two thousand dollars now for the the high end model. Top of the range, and, yep. 
yeah, top of the range. So uh, increasing prices is one basic strategy for um, increasing lifetime value. So that's an obvious one. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, it's oh, an wait. obvious one. And as you say, though, it's one that so many people struggle, struggle with. Yeah. Um, but it's you know it doesn't have to be. It's not that you suddenly have to go from a hundred dollars an hour to three hundred dollars an hour. But it's incremental, isn't it? It doesn't. We don't have to hike things up massively. But what we do need to do is just be very conscious of our pricing and make sure that we're um, you know reflecting our value. Absolutely. And mm. if you a really good strategy if you're afraid of losing existing clients is grandfather the existing clients in on their current price level and then uh, get new clients to pay the higher price. And that that will make your existing clients feel, I guess, more taken care of and more uh, valued. Yeah, got, got you. Okay, next point. The next one is um, upselling. So, and, and again, it's kind of the fry, would you like fries with that? And would you like fries mm. with that is worth hundreds of millions of dollars to McDonald's, you know, and very often just having a, a low cost but high margin add-on is something that's going to really help you increase the size of your transaction value and your share of the the customer's wallet. So um, a a really good way of implementing that is saying, look, most customers who've bought X have also bought Y. So introducing a little bit of social proof there. So um, people like to participate in social norms and, you know, telling them what normal buying habits are can help them. So, you know, if I buy my iPhone, I'll probably want a pair of wireless earphones. So that's going to... That's going to increase my um, uh, my utility of the product. Yeah, that's a great point. And yeah, as you say, you'll want your your nice earbuds. You'll want your nice carry case. You'll want your nice little charger dock. You know, all of those things. Look, it's um, it's it's great talking with you. And uh, I really do get the impression I'm talking to a marketing man. Um, <laughs> and I know that that's you know still a, a relatively new sort of persona for you or a mindset, as you say. But clearly, it's one that you're firmly into and tell me as a as a as a now a marketer yourself you do a lot of uh, coaching and mentoring of other people how do you keep yourself uh, at the top of your game in this whole area what are some of the things just to, to, to wrap up that that you do to stay where you are at the forefront of this sort of stuff yeah look i i i I really think of myself as a marketing mad scientist these days. So I work with with a team of people. So I, I've got a I've got my own team, and we experiment and we try all sorts of things. And I would say the you know half the things we try don't work, and that's totally fine because I I want to be the one taking the risk and trying trying that stuff. And the stuff that does work, we codify it. We Put systems around it, and then we deploy that to our clients. So uh, we're essentially the marketing lab. And so when a new thing comes out, like just yesterday, I saw I think um, LinkedIn uh, changed the way that they're going to be dealing with LinkedIn groups. So I sent that email out to to my team and said, Let, "Let's look into this. Let's see how we can leverage this." So, and it may turn out to be nothing. It might turn out to be something that we really can't use, or it might be a really real game changer with LinkedIn. I don't know yet so we're we're going to test that on my business and once once we've done that we'll roll that out to our clients Hmm, interesting so you still it sounds like you still have a sort of uh, techie engineering sort of projecty type approach to most things and um you know you're clearly enjoying what you're doing so it's it's a challenge for you isn't it by the sounds of it 
Yeah, look, it's it's. Uh, I don't think there are many ma- uh, marketing consultants who get fan mail on a daily basis, and it's very cool to open up your your inbox and see people who either clients or people who've read the book or whatever who've said, you know, you've just changed my mindset or you've changed my life or you've changed my business. So, um, it it is very gratifying to 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 do that. Fantastic. All right. Well, look, Alan did. Thank you so much for joining us. So people, if you'd like to find out more about Alan's book, you can find it on Amazon. It's called The One Page Marketing Plan. Get new customers, make more money and stand out from the crowd. It's available on Amazon. You can also go to Alan's website, which is successwise.com. So Alan did. Thank you very much for uh, spending your time with the Flying Seller community. Robert, it was a genuine pleasure. And before I go, don't forget that when it comes to creating a truly enjoyable and prosperous business, Flying Solo gets you. Premium membership has all the tips and tools you'll need for just $99. Head to the join page to learn more. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.